order of prayer. And I want to welcome all of our uh, guests, our visitors. We're so glad to have you here this morning. Jesus told us we need to pray, and that's part of the Christian life. The Bible tells us, for the weapon of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We are in a warfare. God says so. We, you wake up every day to fight. That's what God says. If you live on the earth, you are in a warfare. If you are not aware of it, please be aware you have an enemy. He's made himself your enemy. Satan and his demons, and they are organized. Principalities, powers, dominion, might. But Jesus is the head of all of those. So they are fighting us, and the Bible tells us in Revelation, he says in Revelation 12, it says, Woe to the, the inhabitants of the earth, because Satan is come against you with great anger. So everyone that is made in the image of God, Satan is after your life every single day, even when you are asleep. And we are told even when you are in the womb, they are after your life, they want to get hold of you to destroy you. It did that with Jesus. Remember, they were going to destroy him even when he was a boy. Moses the same. Satan is after our lives. But the Bible says we, God has given us great weapons. Divine weapons. And the Bible says they are not fleshly weapons because we are not dealing with flesh. We are dealing with spirits that we can't see. But we can fight them. And like my wife said this morning, we are fighting from the side of victory. We already won the battle. We already won the war. But every battle we have to fight. Some battle it seems like we are losing. But ultimately we win the war. Because Jesus has done that for us. But God says, in this life, you have to fight. Matthew eleven twelve says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. I used to wonder, are we going to fight God to get something from him? No, it's not God. God's already giving. The one that's preventing you from having the good life with God on earth is the enemy. And that's what the Bible is telling us here. We have to fight. The Bible says God has given us those weapons to pull down strongholds. So you have strongholds, everyone. Otherwise, why would God say you have strongholds to pull down? If there are no strongholds. They are to pull, we are to pull down strongholds with these divine weapons. They are God's weapons that God has given to us. They are mighty, just like God. Amen. Who gave us the weapons. And we can pull down these strongholds. And these strongholds are placed there by the devil for a reason. To bring you down. To hold you back. He says to bring down strongholds. 
pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. And notice, arguments and every high thing that exhausts itself against what? The knowledge of God. Why? Because as soon as you have the knowledge, true knowledge of God, you're free. You can't be held down anymore. So the fight is against you knowing God. I'm tired today. I, can't, I don't feel like going to church. Guess what's going on? Hold you from having the knowledge of God. Uh, God understand. I prayed last week. I, I don't feel like praying today. Uh, holding you back from the knowledge of God. All of those things, they seem natural to us, but they are pulling you back. Well, I, I understand that, but I really don't believe that. Well, that's holding you back from the knowledge of God. So there's arguments against the word of God. Arguments against the, the knowledge of God. Thoughts. Thoughts. Every high thing that exalts itself. Well, we have more understanding in this present time uh, than before. So we don't need God anymore. No, you need God. People, men have been to the moon and back, right? They still can't deal with common coal. Yeah, it's still a problem. <laughs> because it's spiritual. Amen? <laughs> Sickness is spiritual. You can have all the knowledge, but you need God. You still need God to take care of all of those things. And then he says, bringing into captivity, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know what that means? There are so many thoughts that go through our minds. He's telling us, you don't have what it takes. You can't make it. You failed. God doesn't care about you. Look, do you have anyone in your family that has a college degree? What makes you think you can have that? Always putting you down against what God says. You got want and you say you can never get out of debt. Who says so? The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's what God says. But your mind is telling you, I've failed. I can't make it. I've done, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in shame for all I've done. But God says, no, I want to make you a prince. I want to make you a princess. I want to lift you up. I want people to talk good about you. I can change all of that. People start talking about the fact that you used to be this way, but now we don't know what happened. But he's going up and he's doing so well. His children are never sick. That's what God does for us. We take into captivity all of those thoughts. And God has given us powerful weapons to deal with all of those things. And prayer is one key weapon to, do with it, to deal with those things. One key weapon to deal with it. You see, when, when, when you can handle, of course, we cannot handle Satan. <laughs> we need God. On our own, we can't. And Jesus told us, without me, you can do nothing. So we need God. And we got to get God on our side. You know, I have learned a serious principle. 
I use it all the time. I don't know where I got it from, but I believe the Holy Spirit gave me that. You know, this is it. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock, right? And if any man hears my voice and opens, I will come in, right? And for some people, they, they've kept Jesus out of their life for 50 years. He's been standing at the door. The king of kings, you say, God's all powerful. If he wants to come in, why don't he just come in? It doesn't work that way. You can keep him out. For as long as you want, he still stands there. He wants to come in. And but on the day, until the day you say, God, I want you to be part, he wants to be part of your life. That's why he's been standing out there and refusing to go, waiting for you to change your mind and be willing to welcome him in. That's why he's been standing there because. His presence in your life is going to change everything for you and is going to make life good for you. He is a good God. That's why we preach the good news. The preaching is to help you get to the place where you say, God, I need you. You receive the good news. And God says, now that you've allowed me in, watch out. Things are going to be different from now on. Amen? That's what it is. But in the same vein, Satan doesn't have any right into your life. Amen. Because the Bible says the heaven, even the heavens, they are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the sons of men. And I told somebody, did you know why Jesus always will say, instead of saying, I am the... It used to bother me. Jesus will say... But the son of man. I said, but I thought they said he was son of God. Why is he always saying son of man? You know what he's saying? What that means? You can't operate on this earth unless you are a man. Okay? Even the Antichrist, when he comes, he needs a man to walk through. And so God says, I search for a man to bridge the gap. I search for a man to bridge the gap between God and man so I can bless them so that they won't be destroyed. I search for a man. I couldn't find one. So I gave myself to it. He became a man. So Jesus was maintaining, I am a man and I have rights to operate here on the earth. Satan, he's not a man. (laughs) He'll come through the other door. And anyone who climbs up and comes, not from the door, and climbs in, he is not the shepherd. You can read that in John chapter 10. My point is, until you give God permission into your life by prayer, he can't work. Hello, my people. God's people. Until you ask him. That's the greatest weapon. Until you ask him. He can't work. And so preachers try to help you. Uh, say this after me, you know. Pray it like this. You know what they're trying to do? They're getting you to say, yes, God, come in. And once you say it, God says, I've been waiting for this for so long. And soon he comes in. And things begin to change. He begins to be God's house. Because you're giving him permission. Amen. 
And so that's the way you can drive Satan out. And you know, it's a Satan, you know, I have been serving you for all these years, and you haven't given me much. You've caused me so much trouble. I don't want you uh, in my life anymore, so I'm giving you quick notice. And your time is up. Guess what? He cannot stay. He has to leave. He has to leave. That's what the Bible talks about. Say what you say with your mouth. Life and death are what? In the power of the tongue. It's what you say and what you allow. You allow God or you allow the enemy by your words or your action. That's the way it works. We can't help ourselves, but God, with God, that's what the Bible says, with God I can do all the things. But without God, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. What's the meaning of nothing? How do we define nothing? Nothing means nothing. <laughs> Please understand that English, okay? That word, English word. It means nothing. So since I know I can't do anything without him, I'll cry out to him every time. Well, I'll handle that, God. You know, that's his moment. No, you can't do nothing. In everything, acknowledge him. Proverbs chapter 3. In everything, everything, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Your finances, finances, acknowledge him. Your marriage, acknowledge him. Your relationship, your job, acknowledge him. Your profession, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. You don't know the path to go, but he knows. He sees it from above. Amen. You, have you, when you're driving, I mean, you don't know how many curves are ahead. But the guy in the helicopter, he can tell you, right? God's over the helicopter back there. He can tell you what's going on. Amen. The woman, Jesus gave us a parable in Luke chapter 18. He tells us that there was a woman there. It was a parable. A parable is meant to tell you, to illustrate what life is really like. In simple terms, so you understand what's really going on in life. That's what a parable is supposed to do. Then he says in the scripture, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Prayer is very important. No matter what the problem is, seek God. Otherwise, you are going to get discouraged. You are going to be feel hopeless when you don't seek God. You are a man. And because you are a man, you are supposed to pray. You know this Jesus prayed? You know why? Because he was found as a man. Men, women, we ought to pray. And if you are not praying, you are fainting. That's the greatest weapon against, one of the greatest weapons against the enemy. Because you are asking God to be a part of what's going on in your life. Did you know about it? You already know. But you are bringing him into the equation. And once you bring him into the equation, you just won. I was reading in the scriptures, it says the disciples were struggling. And they saw Jesus, you know, walking on water. And they thought it was a ghost. You remember that? 
and, and, and then they, they welcomed Jesus, took him in into their boat. And as soon as they brought him into their boat, they were at the place where they were planning to go. The boat just arrived. <laughs> it's a miracle. It really is in the scriptures there. You've been struggling and fighting on your own. Bring God into the equation and the storms will cease. The waves will go down so you can get to your destiny. He says this woman, Jesus gave us this parable here saying about this woman. There was a certain woman in a, in a city, a certain judge who did not fear God nor regard man in a certain city. Now there was a widow in that same city. And now you notice when a judge doesn't fear God and he doesn't regard men, you know what that means? He is going to be a terrible judge. Because he doesn't care what you think. Okay? He's going to do what he wants to do. I got the power and I'm going. If he doesn't fear God, he doesn't care what God thinks about it. He's just going to do whatever he wants to do. That's what he, he didn't fear God and he could care less what anybody thought. He, was, he had his power. That's what Jesus was telling us here. Now there was a widow in, this, in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me for my adversary and he will not for a while. <laughs> I'm glad for the for a while. Amen? <laughs> for a while because he's going to do it because this woman is not going to quit coming. Then he says, but afterward he said within himself, he was talking to himself, though I do not fear God, please, no man should talk like this. Though I do not fear God and nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. He wasn't concerned whether he was well with the woman or not. He just don't want to be bothered by this woman coming and screaming after her every time. Oh, yes, she comes again. Oh, my God. <laughs> she, oh, just leave me alone. This was the only reason. Then the Lord said, Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not, and shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. Not with the one who's crying night and day. God's holding up for a reason, which we don't know. Today struck me so hard as I was looking at this scripture. Can I say I cry out to God night and day? Can you say that? That's what the scripture says. It's elect cry out to him day and night. So we're not praying much. We need to pray more. We as believers need to pray more. The things that are happening in the heavenlies are affecting our lives. Because we are not praying, Satan is having his way. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, one of the wicked ways is not praying, God says I will forgive and heal their land. 
I mean, not heal the dust, but all those things that are coming against our finances, the economy, and all of it, we can, re- I mean, we can put those things aside through our prayers. We have that power. If my people, God will bear long when we all start praying, when we start praying, but before long, everything's going to change. That includes your life. Try asking God. What I will say to you today is good to write down your prayer. Amen? So that when God answers it, guess how he does? He's done that with me. I write it down. And while I'm rejoicing that the problem is solved, he says, remember, go back and read your journal. And you read all the prayer requests and you are amazed. He's answered all of them. And you were not even aware. That's the God that we serve. He wants to bless you. If any voice in you says God, doesn't, God is not concerned about what's going on in your life, that's a lie. That's a lie. I shared, I don't know when, maybe this Wednesday or last week. Your price is God's blood. God, you can read that in Acts 20, verse 28. He purchased you with, the Bible says, to feed the flock of God that he bought with his own blood. You are not ordinary. Believe me. You are precious to heaven. You are precious to God himself. God wants to deal with every situation that's going on in your life. God wants to solve the problem for you. But he's saying, call me. You know why? Because when you solve it, you praise him more. Amen? And your faith gets higher. Amen. And guess what pleases God? Faith. Faith. When you look back to what God has done, your faith rises. And now you're confronted with Goliath. And you're thinking, I killed that lion the other time. And I killed the bear. You're just like one of them. You look like a lion, but I'm going to get you down. While others are saying, oh, he's, he's so big, he's going to destroy us. David is saying, he's so big, I can't miss. I'll take, I'll take him down. I'll take him down. So you're not afraid. That's why the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But with prayer and supplication, let, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding with God. That's God's peace standing by your heart and your mind. So your mind is not racing anymore and you are not afraid anymore. And you can look at the problem and say, God's already dealt with you. And I'm free. Amen. God's already dealt with you. I am free. Prayer. People talk about the prayer, the power of prayer. It's not the prayer. It's the one that we are praying to. Amen. Because he always hears us. You know, I need to encourage you about praying. Every word that you speak, God hears. 
he doesn't forget. If there are bad words, if you don't repent about it, you're going to answer for it one day. He, he'll give you the video. Say, did you remember you saying that? <laughs> and you're watching the video. Oh, no, God, can we go fast forward? I don't want to see that. Because you hear yourself saying things that you shouldn't be saying. But how can you judge you if he's not recording this stuff? I think God made videos so we can remember. If you can keep, <laughs> if you can keep record with your videos and all of that, God has a bigger one. He has your whole life, okay? You're going to view yourself. And as you're viewing, when you're young, you're happy. You're playing. He says, God, I like that one. And then the part goes, God, can we fast forward? I don't want that part. Okay? But thank God, when the blood of Jesus comes, that part is erased. Amen? And all the good parts show up. Amen? That's so important. That's why we love Jesus. Because of what he's done for us. Because of what he's done for us, we love him. So when we pray, God hears us and he blesses us. But let me say this. There's a strong misunderstanding when it comes to the word praise. Okay? The highest form of prayer is praise. Praise. When you've tried everything, like I do, I yell and I kick a little bit and yell. God, where is the answer? Maybe there was once, you know, we have a language back in uh, my country. We speak what is called pidgin English. Okay? And I was in trouble. I was calling out to God in English because I speak English most of the time. And God wasn't answering me. So I decided maybe... (laughs) I'll talk to him in pidgin English. That's the one, I, the one I was speaking when I was a kid. And this day, I blasted out to God in pidgin English. I was desperate. He answered to Amen. <laughs> if he doesn't understand English, let's go to this pidgin English. He understands every language. Amen. Praise is actually telling God who he is. Praise. It's prayer. But telling God who he is. When you praise God, three things you're doing. One, you remind God of who he is. That's prayer. Praise is not just when you sing, okay? That's what I'm saying. You can sing praise, okay? But praise is saying something to God. Reminding Him of who He is. If you want to sing it, sing it. That's wonderful. But saying it in your, through your words, that's praise. If when I want to praise you, I'm not going to come singing to you. Okay? Is that what you do when you praise people? Uh, uh, Amy, I want to praise you. Then I start going and singing. Amy says, what's the matter, Pastor? Would you tell me what you want to say? <laughs> we praise. That's not to say we shouldn't. But God says to sing praise to Him. Amen? So we can praise Him in our words, but we can also sing the praise to Him. 
And when we praise him, what we're doing is we are reminding God of who he is. And when we praise God, number two, we are reminding him of what he has done. He's good to remind God. When you are asking something from God, remind him of the things he has done in the past. And that's praising him. And when you do that, you move him to repeat it in your life. For him to do it again. He says, I can make war, I can make a path through the sea. So tell him, God, you were that same God that uh, split the Red Sea. And you allowed the children of Israel, make a way for me. Amen? You remind him of who he is. And then you make, move him to do it again. That's what we do. When we praise God, you tell him everything that he is. After you've prayed, and then you say, are you not the awesome God? Read in the Old Testament. That's what they do. They'll tell him, are you not the same God, that God that brought the people of Israel from Egypt, and you performed all these miracles, you even drowned the armies of Pharaoh? You know what they're doing? Praising him. And before they're through, God says, where is the enemy? We'll get rid of him right now. That's why praise is the highest form of prayer. That's why praise is the highest form of prayer. Let me... Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Acts chapter 4 tells us the children of Israel, uh, I mean, uh, the the disciples at this time, they had been taken by uh, their leaders and have been instructed strongly not to preach in the name of Jesus. They were being threatened by it and, and they knew this was not good at all. And so they started talking to God about it in Acts chapter 4 verse 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. That's why it's good for Christians to agree. Amen? In unity. And look at what they said. Lord, you are God. They're praising him. Amen? You are God. God knows he is God, but they have to remind him. Amen? They want him to do something for them. So they are praising him. They said, you are God who made heaven and earth. In other words, you are in charge. You made everything. And guess what? And the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Even these our enemies, you made them. That's what they are saying. We exalt you. You are God. Amen. You are God. You made the heavens. Everything in the heaven, they belong to you. You made the earth, everything on earth, they all belong to you. You made the sea, everything in the sea, they belong to you. And if the demons have decided to come to the earth, they all belong to you. You are God. That's what they were saying to the Lord. They prayed 
and they spoke to God. And look at what God did. They praised him and prayed. It says in verse 31. And then when they had prayed, the same chapter, verse 31, the place where they were assembled together was shaking. I like to see that again. I mean, the place was shaking. It's like there's an earthquake. But the building wasn't coming down. God was so moved, he shook the place. Then they knew, no doubt God's with us. If God can shake a building, he'll shake a man that is trying to give you trouble, okay? And they'll run from you every time they see you. And do you good. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All he's asking, why don't you believe me? Why don't you believe me? If you don't pray, it's because you don't believe it to make a difference. If you don't praise, it's because you don't believe doing this is going to make a difference. But why don't you try it and see what God will do? I guarantee you there will be a change. No doubt. There will be a change. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to come back to this message because I'm not through. But just to share testimony, I shared this here before. Maybe it was a Wednesday night. Um, true story. When I was a new Christian, um, my family it was very rough for me. Because Christianity was kind of new and I was uh, stubborn with the faith. I, I preached one good message, repent or perish. And I offended everybody. They were mad at me. You're laughing, but that was all I knew. I didn't know John 3.16. But it says, repent or perish. And uh, that was my message. And I went around preaching everywhere. And uh, my little town, everybody started saying, he's become a Jehovah's Witness. And they go from that, he's lost his mind. He's crazy. And, 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 and uh, my mom said, they said you were preaching to a policeman at 12 midnight. And that bothered her. To them, doing something like that, he's lost his mind. What's wrong with him? And he's always carrying the Bible everywhere he went. So all, to them, that was really bad. I think they finally saw me doing something that, well, not something bad. I was with my Christian brother who was, he had a kind of a menial job. And they suppose you were from the upper class or whatever that is. And I was doing something with them. And they thought, oh my God. He's out with these guys doing that. In Nigeria, I said, pushing truck. And they said, he's lost his mind. I was just playing with my Christian brother. And they went to my mother. He said, hey, your son, he's out there. He's pushing truck. Which is a mini job. He's lost his mind. My mother came out from there. What are you doing? Take your hands off. And I said, I'm with my Christian brother. Mom, I don't want to hear anything about Christian brother stuff. But just to be short, they, they took me to a police, the police bus, what we call DPU at home, and threatened me. He threatened me. And uh, after he threatened me, he said, uh, uh, let this one uh, uh, go. And he called my mother. He said, don't you have another child? This one, he's, he's off. He's finished. Focus on your other children. Let, let this one go. Just, you have another child. F f do all your energies, focus on this one. This one, his mind is gone. 
And my mother like, oh my God, this is my oldest son. In the old town, I keep hearing, you see, he's crazy. He's lost his mind. And I said, where did they get that from? But I couldn't change the rumor. My wife also heard the rumor after we got married. That he has lost his mind. I remember after the wedding, my wife was, uh, we were having some ceremony. My wife was standing out. And these people didn't know was my wife with my uh, sister-in-law. She was with the women. And one woman said, one of those boys got married. He said, which one of those? He said, one of those. The one that was in the came from America. He said, I know all of the boys. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, that one. The one that used to go to church. Angela was listening because she knew they were talking about her. And the woman said, oh, he finally got married. That one who used to be insane. <laughs> and Angela heard it. I was inside the church. After the service, I came out, my happy self, and I went to Angela. Hey, my new bride. She said, I've got to talk to you. <laughs> oh, God. It was serious, man. I said, what's the matter? Don't. I've got to talk to you. And she took me to a room and locked the door. And I thought, this is really serious. And then she said, uh, were you crazy at any time? <laughs> You can ask questions that there. <laughs> I said, where did you get that from? I said, oh boy, that's, you mean you were crazy? <laughs> I said, no, they used to say that, but I'm not, I'm not crazy. I just follow Jesus. But that took me to a village where they had me chained. That's the truth. Yes, they had me chained and some feet. And I couldn't sleep. True story. Um, well, I won't tell the story, but that's my testimony. But I had my hands both chained because my family actually taught, and I'm coming back to prayer. Amen? That's where I'm going with this. They actually, my mother, they've done everything to convince her she wouldn't believe. She thought something was wrong with me, and somebody told her about a witch doctor that could heal the insane. So I told myself, if I don't go with her, this won't stop. So finally they took me to that village. And I sat down and looked at the witch doctor. And I said, sir, can I preach the gospel to you? Repent or perish? No, kidding. <laughs> and he was looking at me. I said, let me tell you. This time, it was later. I had known a few Roman road. You all have seen them come short of the glory of God. You know, and I, I preached my message to him. And I said, after I'm through with preaching, you can do whatever voodoo stuff you got to do. I'm not scared of you. I said, I'm not insane. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm a school teacher. You probably have more problems than I have. And he was looking at me like. And I got through preaching. And then she, I said, now nah, it's your turn. Do your stuff. Bring the potions. Whatever you have to do. But I've, he didn't do anything. They finally locked me in the room like one of the insane people and had my hands chained, one all over my hands, and uh, I had my feet chained uh, and then attached to a wall. And uh, I was exhausted that night. I couldn't sleep because the only way I could sleep because they wanted it over my hands and this was like this on my face, on my back. If I slept this way, I used my hand as a pillow but the, the chains were eating to my head. 
and I couldn't sleep. So I started crying and I said, God, I didn't know that becoming a Christian lands you in this kind of hot water. This is tough. This is really hard. I said, God, you got to help me. What would I do? I can't sleep. I was crying. And I was praying in tongues because I didn't know what to say. And I heard a voice in my head. The chain is loose. Why don't you take it off? I took the chains off. My mom was sitting there. Because after I've cried, God answered. There are people who are still alive. You can go back there and verify. I took the chains off. And in the next morning, the voodoo doctor sent some of his uh, associates to come and uh, pray over me. And they came in with this uh, handbell, big, large handbell, in a small room, all concrete. I was on concrete floor. And that guy was ringing. They were ringing that bell, and they were chanting and doing their voodoo stuff. But they didn't know my hands were free. Hello. They didn't know my hands were free. Since I sat down, as a Christian, you have to be gentle, right? So I was gentle just listening to them and wondering what was wrong with them as they were chanting, doing their voodoo stuff. And, um, but they were ringing that huge bell over my ears, and it was hurting my ears in this tiny room. And I said, saying, hey, cut the bell stuff out and do your chanting, whatever you're doing. And they would, they just, just keep going and just like that. And, and I said, does this thing not work unless, unless you ring that bell? Stop ringing the bell. And he wouldn't, they wouldn't, they just kept going. So that same voice I heard the night before said to me, your hands are free. Take the bell from them and force them to do their stuff without the bell. They didn't know that my hands were free. I lifted my hands. <laughs> Those two guys hit the door like crazy. <laughs> because it was a dark room. All at the same time, it's like, shop. they were out into the dark. And without thinking, I ran after them because at this time I was already mad. I ran after them. It was after I got out and then I realized, oh my God, that chains on my legs gone too. As I got free. Amen. Amen. But that's what God does. That's what God does. That was my early days as a believer. Michael was with me in Nigeria. I was sharing the testimony back uh, over there. My brothers would come and listen. But it's true. We serve a risen Christ. If you pray, he hears you. If you are in trouble, he'll deliver you. He'll help you. How many ready to let him into your life to this day? And let him stand up with me this morning. And let God come into your life. He is a living God. I finally realized I have a good God. Starting over. But God is in our lives. Talk to him. First thing we need to do is surrender our lives to him. Just tell him whatever you want. And guess what? What he wants for you is the best. He knows the end from the beginning. What do you know? You just got here. Surrender. Give him everything. Shall we do that today? How many of us will do that? I want to give everything to him. Raise your hands up if you want to do that. I want to give everything to him. Let him have full control over my life. Take it over. 
I've tried it my way, God. I, don't, I can't make it. I need your help. That's what we do. Let's say it with me. Lord Jesus, take over my life. Have full control. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for shedding your blood for my life. I receive you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. I bless your name today. I magnify your name. I praise your name. May your name be exalted in all the earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we put our hands together?